Hey guys, it's Oren and Matt this time. Hello. We are uh, here with another disclaimer because the world is crazy. You guys, it's, it's moving real fast. So uh, we're recording this uh, on Wednesday, March 18th, deep into self-quarantine and, and uh, shelter in place. What do they call it? Yeah, shelter in place, I think. Shelter yeah. in place, there you go. Wait, uh, what day of quarantine are you on, Matt? I'm on day six. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm on day six. Really six and a half. Basically, so when we were recording this episode, I was about to go shoot. Basically, from that shoot on, I was in self-quarantine. My wife had one client that she spoke to in person. We're deep into it at this point. Right. My wife Um, was acting in a McDonald's commercial on Friday of March, Friday the 13th. But I saw someone post something on Facebook or Instagram that said... What day you think it is of the quarantine says a lot about who you are. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Yeah. I basically was like, that's a wrap. Bye, <laughs> the world. I haven't really left since the 19th, which is, yeah, uh, six days ago. What? Uh, what's the work outlook? Um, well, I'm, I'm still in post on that, that job that we just shot. So that's great. Everything else has evaporated. Everything else, you know, I would get hit up for things, but it's all postponed until... We are, we are back. Do you feel like these post jobs are kind of like taking their sweet time <laughs> because no one wants to be unemployed? I'm giving it a little more TLC or rather I can give it as much TLC as I want, which is really nice. Um, I did a Zoom meeting today that worked out really well. I was like a little laggy on playback, but for the most part was really awesome. Um, and so I was able to session with our editor and, you know, it's been pretty good. And is your editor working from home? He is indeed. Yes. Yeah. I think everybody's doing working from home. Um, though, uh, we had our post call yesterday or no, it was just this morning. Um, and Nick from Sawhorse was le- leading the call and he was like, Hey, sorry guys. I've been, I've been talking to the client back and forth and we, we have to have to have to do an in-studio session next week. And there was just dead silence from everyone. And then he was like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he got us good. Like, we were like, wait, what? Well, that is such a thing that, that Nick such, would say. It was a good joke. It was legitimately excellent. Well, that is hilarious. So, I don't know. Is there anything else to say or should we just get into this nah, episode? I mean, just like, uh, it's interesting to listen to this episode because we are children of the summer. Yeah. Oh, I guess I will say this because I'm curious. There's like two types of people that are taking the coronavirus quarantine seriously i think there's people that aren't taking it seriously who are a different breed but if you're one of the people that is taking it seriously there's a type of people that are kind of like glued to the news and if it's not coronavirus related they're not that interested in it you know like i started watching mcmillions last night and i'm like yeah i guess some guy stole a million dollars from mcdonald's who cares like the world is ending (laughs) you know um but then there's the people that are just looking for an escape, like, oh, I learned to play piano, and I'm learning mm-hmm. French, and I read all of Dostoevsky or whatever because I have all this free time. And so I'm curious if our listeners like the podcast as an escape, if the, you guys are escaping into podcasts and other stories and hearing about filmmakers and hearing about interesting interviews and interesting topics, or if you are preferring to just listen to the news, uh, like the New York Times podcast and those types of podcasts right now. Like, what is interesting you in this time? Because it will affect what we talk about on the podcast if you give us that that feedback. So you can email us, just shoot at pod at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us or send us a message on Instagram or wherever we're just shoot at pod. 
on all social media. Uh, without further ado, let's hop into our show. Hey, welcome to the 207th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Seth Jurgen, Kevin O'Brien, Camry Fox, and Glenn. I'm Warren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we've got Mickey Finnegan, an old pal and an incredible director here on the show. He's going to talk to us about how he kind of struck music video gold straight out of the gate back when we were still in college. He's directed iconic videos for incredible, huge artists. He directed shots for LMFAO. Yeah. It was like his shots, second shots, music shots, video. Shots, 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 <laughs> shots, 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 shots. Yeah, he's worked with CeeLo Green, Miley Cyrus, Katy Perry, Lil Jon, Soldier Boy, Rebel Wilson, Tyga, Bella Thorne, Offspring, like everyone. He also does commercials and he's made shorts and... We talk all about it. I do think one of the coolest things is that we both met him many years before we met each other. Yeah, I would say that Mickey's probably the person we've had on the show where we have the most shared history between the three of us. You were working on his videos and kind of became a part of like that circle of friends, basically. I was always aware of him and like certainly we've all shot with each other's DPs for many years. So we've all been kind of like one degree away from each other for like for 20 years, basically. Did you know also that he has an Emmy? No. Yeah, 20, 2018. So, I mean, it's kind of an expired Emmy by this point. What did he win an Emmy for? A Nickelodeon campaign of some awesome. sort. Well done, Mickey. Really talented guy. And I think that besides some fun war stories, I think there's a lot of applicable, learnable lessons. Um, because he is a person who took some big swings early on and found some success, but then also continues to self-generate to like level up and figure out ways in which he can pivot and take his voice and find other ways to apply it to different mediums and different opportunities. Yeah. And this episode, like many of our episodes is a great example of how you can reach kind of the pinnacle of a certain segment of the film industry, but you still kind of have to like pitch yourself from ground zero in other segments and we argue a lot about that in the episode. Yeah, it's pretty great. So I can't wait to hop into that conversation with Mickey. But before we do that, Oren, what have you been working on lately? Well, I've been working on a bunch of things, which I actually don't want to talk about because I think there are a couple other things I want to do want to talk about. Mm. One is the episode that just came out a few days ago mm-hmm. had Michael Randa Parks on it. And we talked about his South by Southwest feature premiere. Yeah. Since we recorded that episode, South by Southwest Southwest has been canceled. Been canceled, yeah. And it's crazy, right? Uh, I also have a shoot tomorrow, and one of the leads called in sick, basically. And I think that he's playing it safe. I think this is avoiding travel, avoiding airplanes, avoiding. And and not shooting, basically. Like he he will not be in the the commercial anymore. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And again, I think that's because of an abundance of caution and everyone appreciates that and it's important for my personal well-being and also society but like you know it's like a thing now kind of on the verge of trying to figure out what what's happening how the country is going to approach this whole thing yeah yeah and not knowing like if we are just at the beginning and things are going to get way worse or they get better or if things are going to get better but it's it's a weird it's a weird time i was at viacom today because i did this commercial thing with them last week and it was empty and they basically sent an email to everyone saying like if you want to work, work from, from home, home yeah it's totally fine with us and you were saying that you've 
Was that you or maybe Mickey? Someone was saying that they experienced other people like stealing Purell. From, I, I did. I did. <laughs> from some meetings and stuff. So literally, this is for real. We all laughed about it, but the dude still did it. His, he had a like one of those little personal smaller Purells. And we're in the big conference meeting. You know, we had a, a big meeting and there's the big jug is in the middle. And he took the jug and like went to town and just did like probably 10, 15 heavy squirts into his little jug and then, you know, sealed it up and put it in his pocket because it sold out everywhere, basically. Yeah. And I did do think this time. And I mean, I think our listeners worldwide will all connect with this. Uh, people are afraid to like get into big groups and gatherings. And mm-hmm. so this is the time to edit your stuff. <laughs> yeah. We can all work from home on our computers and do things. I am also genuinely like I'm trying to figure out ways to make like a, a mild quarantine sort of environment. Like what can you, how do you pass the time? How do you make use of it, but also make it fun? And I've like thought about multiple movies. Like I want to watch the entirety of a few different directors catalogs for instance as oh, a way during the if you are quarantined if i'm quarantined well, yeah yeah or even if you're just trying to like if everyone's laying low if people aren't hosting events or throwing events or going out much like what how are ways to to make a game out of it a little bit so i've got a couple already i've got the terry malley tally which is where terrence you <laughs> we watch every movies. terrence malley movie okay feig fest paul feig. every paul feig and then apatawa palooza wow and I think I'm going to do all of those. Really long. So part of it is also you have to think through, like, you want a manageable number of movies. Like, I'm, no one's going to be like, hey, let's watch every single Hitchcock movie. That's like right. freaking dumb. And for also, frankly, I think nearly impossible. Or every Woody Allen movie or something like that. You, you need, like, I'm talking no more than 10 movies in one oeuvre, right? Yeah. Terrence Malick, I think, has made six or seven. I own most of them. That does make me realize I have to watch Night of Cups, which is a real stinker. <laughs> I don't know if you saw I that one. I feel like you make the rules. You can say watch all but one. L- the listen, movies. the Terry Malley tally. Yeah. Uh, you got to watch all of them in order. Okay. Well, yeah. sounds like a sport you would enjoy. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the only one. I really want to see The Invisible Man, but now I'm like afraid to go to a movie theater. I know. Is that Should I be afraid? I don't know. Well, before we get into chatting with Mickey... I want to thank all our patrons. We really do appreciate it. If you want to be a patron, go to patreon.com slash justshootitpod. You will be helping us a lot, and we just love it. And we've gotten some great patrons lately. And if you give us 10 bucks, you will get a Just Shoot It hat. Mailed some off today. Andrea Nelson, thank you for posting your selfie with a Just Shoot It hat. And anyone else that has one, I recommend you post a selfie, because I will make some obnoxious comment about it. Yeah, guaranteed obnoxiousness. (laughs) I also want to apologize that we canceled our March 15th event that we sure. talked about. You know, there's the world is just in a weird place right now. We just kind of felt like it was not the right time yeah. to have a big event where we shake everyone's hands. And lastly, just because we haven't talked about it for a long time, please, if you get a chance to leave us an iTunes review, it's really helpful. It helps uh, people find the podcast and it doesn't even have to be good. It just has to be a review. So if you get a chance, leave us an iTunes review. And we will be very appreciative of that. And now, without any further ado, let's chat with Mickey Finnegan. We're here with Mickey Finnegan. Hey, hey. One of the things we ask our guests is to send us a quick bio before the interview, even though we usually know most of it. But one of the things in your bio states that you're Asian American, that Mm -hmm. you're half Filipino. 
why do you put that in your bio? Is it like, does it have to do with diversity? Um, I think that there's part of it that has to do in some level with diversity. I think part of it also has to do with the fact that, you know, I've even before sort of diversity was an sure. issue, it was always sort of a thing in my identity that I felt was kind of important. And I've always been a little bit weirded out by like, my name is so, you know, I oh, sure. So, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so if I you would, close your eyes and you think of Mickey Finnegan, you think of like Finnegan's wake. Yeah. Dude yeah. who's going to get sunburned very quickly. Right. Right. With like red hair. I, I mean, there's so sure. many times that I've had meetings where I've completely disappointed whatever people <laughs> thought was going to show up. They were just like hoping <laughs> I would come in like, right. oh, like with a rugby like Mickey, ball. Mickey old charmed, Finnegan. Yeah. yeah, yeah sure, leprechaun yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah that's funny. <laughs> I, that's funny because I, I didn't ever think of Mickey as sounding irish or i had, didn't think about it at all honestly sure yeah um but i guess that makes sense yeah yeah so it's just something that you know i've just sort of added it because it was like oh hey, hey you know it's, it's something that i regularly tell people anyways about myself yeah i wonder i wonder if i should put that i'm israeli i mean my name kind of gives it away um in my bio but your bio you have sacramento in there right i don't think so yeah you don't? I don't think so. I think it just says Los Angeles. Because there is something nice about bios and just give, giving people like um, excuses to like talk, like give mm. people things to talk about. It's like mm. a yeah. resume. Yeah. I think, you know, I feel like you guys have kind of talked about, you know, branding and other episodes and things sure. like that. And, or, or even just like things to kind of humanize you to people who want to hire you or work with you or whatever. And it seems like that's kind of right in there. I it, I don't know the last time you read my bio, Oren, but I do make jokes about my parents all the time and like proving myself to them. And there is a joke like that in my parents. Yeah, which is yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. funny because do you? I don't know what your bio, Oren, is like, but do you guys have the bio where you're like have like tons of self deprecating humor in it, or do you say like and uh, and I'm a dog owner and I love this, and or is it like talk, spoken in third person? It's in third person, and it's like basically pretty quick like brands i've worked with shows i've worked on usc los angeles and then closing joke about how my parents don't understand any of that mm. basically yeah i have i don't i'm it's not a lot of self-deprecation but i do like throw away things like in, in his spare time he is like an award-winning vfx artist and has a podcast right that was named one of Amer like, was one of filmmakers yeah. movie maker magazine's top five podcasts to right listen to or something. right so i try to like I'm saying that's this. You don't need to know this for me as a director, but just know I have I do other mm -hmm. things right on sure. the side. Well, but, speaking yeah. of bios and the laundry list of things, maybe you started mostly as a music video director. Hit us with the the hits for of your music video credentials. Sure, just like uh, artists, I, I can do it if that makes sure. you feel better. Yeah, okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, well, I can name two of them. Who? Yeah, who stands out to? Well, LMFAO, like you were. So both Matt and I have known you. Pretty much since college, you went mm -hmm. to USC, yeah. Um, and I worked on some of your music videos. The at the very least, Keek the Sneak super hyphy music video, the, the, my very first, which I saw. He just went to prison recently. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Oh, like how recently did you see that? Like in twenty nineteen. Like I was looking it up yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness, he got too hyphy. Yeah, and so you know what that so that music video is about? It's about how Keek invented the word hyphy, right? And he also claim to have invented the term faux shizzle my nizzle right oh i don't know i mean I, certainly he claims to you know have invented the term <laughs> hyphy or maybe maybe it was sort of like in the um at that time like the barrier 
culture, like hip hop rap scene. Right. So I don't know if he was the you know first, but he certainly made the song that kind of. I mean, the song is yeah. The the chorus is that's my word, right? Well, so when I had <laughs> heard true. on set, and I wonder if it was from one of his people, but I doubt it because I they were mostly busy like drinking, literally drinking gin and juice and doing donuts in the parking lot. Yeah, while we were trying to separate. Uh, excuse my French, but the video hosts from each other because supposedly they would kill each other if they were in the same room. Um, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> one the of them. One of them was very famous because she was in the Gold Digger music video. Um, That's right. But uh, I had heard from someone that he had come up coined the term "faux shizzle my nizzle" and he had taught it to E Forty, like a more famous Bay Area rapper right. who mm-hmm. was friends with Snoop Dogg, and he had said it to Snoop Dogg, and then Snoop Dogg made it famous. And so when Hyphy came along, like Keek the Sneak wanted to make sure people knew that was his word because his his like awesome language was being stolen by other people. I will say, because I remember that video was on, on heavy rotation in like college, like the t- the closed circuit TV. Right. It was like a lot of like MTV2 mm-hmm. videos. And I remember super being hyphy this, ones. Yeah. The yeah. one that I was a dolly grip. On? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a big deal. Is my I, name on there? Uh, no, my name is in the credits. Yeah, I think it probably. Uh, yeah, well, I directed probably, by Mickey Finnegan. Think, uh, yeah. Dolly gripped. Well, by you know, Warren music, Capper, just, music video credits. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. very, very detailed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but then I was a camp counselor at the time, and I remember a kid saying "hyphy" in front of me, mm. like a seventh grader or something, and I was like, "Oh, this is a big deal." It was a Northern California band music camp but still <laughs> <laughs> right. And getting hyphy means getting high, right? I get, I, I think, and I think, crazy. Too, yeah, right? I think it means get like getting like getting you know, hyper. Yeah, right? it's yeah. like a another oh, right, way to right. say it. But I mean, their drugs are implied, right? Or not really? Um, I, you know, more like, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I feel like it's more like being like a hooligan, like running, like running around. Seventh grader, yeah, yeah, yeah. If a seventh grader is saying that their friend is too high feet, they're talking about candy, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know, okay, well, okay. I think to, maybe to what you're you're getting at too is is that whole. Bay Area hip hop scene, you know, as it is coined, the hyphy movement, you know, uh, was like encompassing with like sideshows and doing donuts and like, mm-hmm. you know, wild behavior, like in the middle of the streets. So I think, yeah, I think you, you might be right to say that hyphy implies sort of that behavior as well. Um, but I just don't know if the word itself explicitly. Okay. Yeah. Wait, and that was your well, first music video? It was, yeah. So so let's unpack that a little bit because <clears throat> I think, he was big and you shot we shot like on film, I'm pretty sure, right? On Super yeah, 16. Yeah, we did, we did shoot on film. Holy fuck. And we had a whole oh, elementary Super school 16. that uh, a buddy of ours, all of ours, Vinny Singh's mom like hooked us up it, with. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't Vinny's mom, but it was a it was a friend of my a friend of mine, um, his mom works at the school, so that's oh. how we. And where was it? So, like, hold, hold on, but before because we, we're just strolling <laughs> down memory lane. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, set yeah. the table a little bit, right? So we're still in college, right? Like we're probably juniors, maybe give or take. Um, this we were actually seniors at this point. Okay, great. Yeah. So, but getting serious, looking towards the future. How do we all get jobs? How do we have careers? Right? Music videos have not yet totally imploded. Mm-hmm. Um, as we were saying off mic, you know, that's the era where like Spike Jones has like made a couple movies at this point. We're all very like adaptation is about to come out or maybe right. it has just come out. Fincher's already like made Fight Club and is already, you know, kind of like a hero of ours. So we had all realized that being music video directors could lead to bigger and better things. And also everyone is watching music videos. Right. Antville is like a big thing at the time. Like, you know, it, it's a fun time to be interested in 
music and, and abstract film and jokes and stuff all at once, right? And so, uh, but still, shooting on film, actually, it's important to know, like, video looked like garbage. Oh, God. DSLRs yeah. weren't thing, our thing yet, so it was, like, really hard to, like, if you wanted to have something that was broadcast quality, you had to have the money to expose and edit and then transfer film. Right, right, which so, is a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. you're not yeah. making a five hundred dollar music video on film. Right, right. You literally couldn't do it. Right, right. right. Um, so tell us how you managed to pull that off. Sure. So, like you said, we were you know seniors at USC, and it was getting close to graduation, and I was you know wanting to be a director, want to do narratives and things like that, and. I was sort of asking myself, okay, what, what is my path going to be? You know, how am I going to get there? And, and had you done anything at this point, like short films? I mean, you know, the ones that you do in college and maybe the ones that you do not for a class, but still in college. Sure. Um, so nothing good yet, basically. Basically, yeah. yeah. I no mean, disrespect, all, but like, you know. <laughs> it, no, everything I did in college was great and all my work has gone downhill since yeah, then. Yeah, sure. um, but uh, I, I actually, there was a cinematography class mm-hmm. um, that you could take. And, and so the, you got a little bit of film, right? So I, so I got I got some film in that, and actually, but what like five hundred feet? No, no, no. Well, no? Well, 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 okay, well, okay. All right. Sorry. not quite. This is a little yeah. little more of a yeah. long, windy road to get to where you want to be. But like, I had this uh, class, cinematography class, and you know, you kind of had a little thesis you did at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But I decided to do a music video, mm-hmm. so I. Um, was very involved with like the sort of the dance team at USC and, and I, I kind of knew a lot of the dance dancers in that the dance world that um, would then later on blow up to be like so you think you can dance like whatever that culture was right mm-hmm. um, you were just like friends with them or you were you were dancing yourself like how did you get into this group Could- yeah I was I was I was friends with them um, it was like a, a group at USC and uh you know, uh, they would go to like these competitions and the competitions are what inspired like Randy Jackson to create. Um, so you think you can dance in America's wow. most dance. All these people just getting hyphy. Yeah. So then, um, anyways, the, the, I decided to do a music video. I got the dance team to be in it and that became like my music video reel. Mm-hmm. And um, what song did you, like any song you wanted? I, God, what did I pick? I mean, I, I, I picked like a known song at the time. You so, spec- so you basically made a spec music video. That's right. And to relate it back to your first question, you know, how I got involved in it. Like I, I deliberately did that because I knew that, um, you know, I was asking myself, what is my path going to be? I kind of knew some friends in the music industry that were talking about, oh, there's artists like E-40 and Keek the Sneak and this. So so I knew that that was mm-hmm. kind of becoming, you know, hot and stuff. So I, so I was like, okay, cool. Like, maybe this could be my path. Maybe I can do music videos. Like, I grew up watching them and I mm-hmm. was a fan. Um, I never had considered that that would be the path. But like you said before, there's so many, uh, there's so much track record of people like Spike Jones and sure. stuff that have gone this route. So and hip hop was just like the genre you liked. Yeah, I think that was just sort of the music I was mostly attracted to, mm-hmm. um, and the directors working in that space um, I was fans of. Um, when did um, what was that dance documentary? Oh, um, the one that was at Sundance. The uh, what was it about crunking? Oh, yes. um, Rise. I think. Yes, yeah, Rise. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was yeah. by David yeah. LaChapelle. Yeah, da- yeah, David yeah. LaChapelle. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. there were a He's lot a of great. like like hip hop artists hip hop directors that were kind of making the transition right at that time as well. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, and there were, there's great, still, still great directors, um, even at that time, like Joseph Kahn and Dave sure. Myers and, sure. and people yeah. like that, that, uh, you know, I really admired. Yeah. Hype Williams. Uh, yeah. Hype yeah. Williams, you know? Um, so 
we took the spec video and and then when we graduated and I, what was the concept and uh, just perform it like it, a it dance was like i got a b- bunch of dancer it was just ba- basically there was no kind con- it was just good, glitz good and dancing. glam good yeah. dancing you yeah. know what was ma- the location um i did a i did a stage so i had like you know a psych i as, think like, we had to have the camera stay on school grounds i think it was part of the i, I think you're yeah. you're right yeah because so i it was, i did a, i built a a set for a similar project okay and then we shot other stuff with a camera off school grounds right yeah, yeah with the video camera yeah yeah and right. did you shoot like off speed or do any of those things yeah i, I think i pulled out the tricks that i knew at the time you know i think which you is maybe like, even had to right like you had to show certain yeah, techniques that yeah. you would learned yeah i think probably you know and it was like oh like if i you know oh if we turn the camera on and off while oh, things like yes. oh my god like during the because fi- you're shooting it on film we so did like, that i think on kink yeah right? and it's like oh well, well what does that do you know and it's just like Wait, sorry what does it do actually it i mean it just sort of gives this sort of like, like flat, a flutter, flat, right? fluttering flashing mm-hmm. effect because um, the motor is slowing down and growing back yeah back up so the exposure is a little longer right right, right. and i, oh, and I can't interesting. there might have been like even more nuance to it and mm-hmm. I, I can't quite remember but but yes that was sort of the the mm. the visual you got from it so i you know we kind of thought that that was cool and different and I so we were trying to pull out you know the thing that i remember always like in the beginning of music videos is like oh if we play the track you know twice as fast and we film mm-hmm. half, right sure right twice as fast then we get this cool slow-mo and the right. song is in sync with itself right um so like the first trick you do with music videos right um okay cool sorry so keep going so you made that video so we made it and then um we graduate and you know, I know of this mm-hmm. um, music music scene that's kind of um, becoming popular in the Bay Area. So I start to go out to like hip hop clubs and and networking with the people I knew that were in the music industry and just sort of like introducing myself to to artists. And this was like at the time when I think MySpace was kind of the mm-hmm. thing. Sure. Yeah. So so and you're saying I'm Mickey Finnegan. I'm a music video director. Yeah, I'm going up to people and I'm like, hey, I. I, like I'm a big fan of your music. I you know found it on MySpace or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and which, which it's important. The difference between MySpace and Facebook, people probably forget. Like music was a big, big part of that's MySpace. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, bands are like the last people. I think they're they're they might still be on MySpace. Yeah, right? yeah. But it definitely was the place to discover music, mm-hmm. at, at least at that time. Sure. Yeah. Um. So I was meeting different artists, and um. Eventually, I think I where I was maybe at an Amoeba Music or something, and I mm. met Keek the Sneak's manager at the time. And I certainly knew of his song. And they, you know, this song is, you know, blowing up all over. Uh, like Super even, hyphy? Yeah, even beyond, you know, what is, mm-hmm. you know, popular in the Bay. It's like starting to even be like when I'm in Los Angeles, I hear it. Mm-hmm. And I just go up to him and we start talking. And I'm like, hey, you know, have you, you guys don't have a music video for this. Like, don't would you want to do something like that? And so I introduced myself and I show my work and I sort of explained to him like, you know, why I think I'm qualified to, to do it. And, and what, so why do you think you're qualified to do it? Because, because nobody else was doing it. <laughs> sure, right. You know, I mean that, that was Keep like going actually. Cause I think, uh, how did you finance the, the video? Well, so, so yeah. eventually it got to a point where we were talking about it and he was interested. And for whatever reason, he, saw something in me or at least in the thing I showed him um and then we you know we kind of agreed like hey like this could be something good for me it could be something good for you guys what if we both co-finance it right so right. you you put yeah. in some money so that's a much easier yes of right? course yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like 50 50 
I think at the time it was like he was going to put in seven grand and then I was going to put in three. Mm-hmm. So that okay. was like, so because yeah, sure. I think that that was $10,000 is kind of what we spent on that video. Gotcha. Um, and so that was like effectively like me investing in myself or that was my sort of thesis because, sure. you know, we're crit studies majors so we didn't spend any money on a yeah. thesis. Shout out to critical studies. Yeah. Uh, to clarify, that just means we were... It's like we had an English major, but we watched movies instead of reading. Essentially, yeah. Wow, I did not realize that was your first video. I, it's funny because on set, I was you know just like one a crew person that didn't know you, and you seemed like a you know music video director oh. to me. So That's I mean, good. I don't I mean, remember anything you said. Yeah, um, I do remember that Keek showed up like I don't know eighteen thousand hours late. Totally, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and the sad thing is, is oh, and like, we had to shoot all this stuff without him, without the main guy. That, that's right. Yeah. Like in it, the classrooms and stuff. And it, we had kids on set, like real <laughs> right, children. Right. I, I don't know what I was thinking, pitching like <laughs> this high concept, you know, you know, spelling bee music video. Yeah. Wa- walk us through the concept real quick. So the concept was, you know, I don't know if they still have them, but ESPN would do these like spelling bees mm-hmm. um, that were like very intense competitions with yeah, kids. Yeah, like all the Indian kids. Yeah, basically, basically would, win, would win them all. And and I think they're still a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So then, so, you know, you talked about the song earlier and it was like bringing this big importance on the word hyphy and like what it meant to the, the movement and to the culture and everything. So I, so I don't know how I thought of it or whatever, but it was sort of like, okay, like a spelling bee, like, like let's bring emphasis mm-hmm. to this word. And what if, you know, amongst these kids, Keek is the one of the spelling bee contestants and mm-hmm. that's the word he gets and he, whatever, he wins. Like, so that was sort of like the, you know, idea <laughs> yeah. surrounding it. So yeah, it's almost so. like a short film intro, which was kind of popular at the time. I think it's mm-hmm. kind of coming back now, but right. it went away for a while where you have like a preamble to the music video. Right, yeah. right. Which was, I think was always my way of, you know, I always wanted to get into narrative. So let me like figure out a way to shoehorn sure. some narrative elements so right. so after that you've got some real hip-hop cred you do a couple other videos right yeah i think i did a couple other like not like not many like mm-hmm. literally maybe like a couple other two and three. then and then you group you team up with this band that also no one had heard of at the time right y- well if you're talking about like they weren't mainstreamly popular no like are you talking about lmfao or whatever yeah, yeah. like i mean i think that was maybe a couple years later. I'm kind of like, you know, trying to figure it out or whatever. And, and again, MySpace was really the ticket. It was, I was constantly on MySpace looking at mm-hmm. artists and bands and trying to figure out who was cool. And, and how are you supporting yourself at this point? Um, I was actually um, doing many things. I was crowing uh, on, you know, projects, you know, things kind of like what you were doing. And then eventually I actually did become an assistant to a director's rep. Um, oh, interesting. Who music videos. Oh, um, man. And that was actually so a really smart. good, yeah, yeah, it was actually a really good experience for me. Um, so he was at a production company that knew people at labels yeah. and would pitch treatments right. on their songs. Right. So, so um, yeah, and at the time it was, you know, it was funny because it was sort of an interesting relationship where I had Super Hyphen and played for like whatever, two mm-hmm. years on sure. BET yeah. and MTV. But I was also like the assistant at this person's thing. And my sure. videos were up against people that were, she was actually repping. Um, <laughs> right. But, but, you know, I mean, in fairness, it's like, I didn't really know what I was doing. And, and right. you know, right. I, I hit a, a home run with that, you know, and it's not right. like a, a sustainable formula, at least at that time. Right. Um, 
Well, you didn't write a treatment or anything like that. You just met a guy and like had a good idea and yeah, figured maybe, it out. Maybe I wrote a, what could be called a treatment, but it was probably a blurb of words. Mm-hmm. Like a know, couple right? paragraphs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you had to explain what your plan was to people, but it wasn't yeah. like you were pitching. It wasn't. Yeah. And I actually yeah. got, I think eventually I got the good, the, almost the most ideal experience is that I was telling this to his manager, right? And I'm sure his manager was the one that was reading the things. But eventually, um, I'm being reminded of this, is I, I actually went to Keek's house at some point mm-hmm. and got to pitch him in person right. this idea. Yeah, yeah. So th- th- that was actually like probably the first time he had even heard the idea. Right. Um, and, you know. I've, That's a much better way to yeah, go. Yeah, totally. Like, it's, it's, it's the most. I've been I, getting it forwarded an email. <laughs> it's the most ideal way to do it. it yeah. Even even today, you know, it would be the most ideal way to do. Sure. And were you nervous? Uh, yeah, I think I was pretty nervous. <laughs> but, you know, maybe I was, you know, Maybe I was so naive at the time that like, I just yeah. didn't really, you know, I was just like, I think this idea is great. And I felt pretty good about it. There's something magical about being in school and thinking that your shit doesn't stink. Yeah, right? totally. Like you haven't been beaten down. You don't realize that you're about to be unemployed yet. So right, you're just right. like, oh, I've got a great idea. And right. people acknowledge how good ideas are. Right. And I think, you know, it's, I don't think that I had like a huge ego or anything like that. I'm not that type of person, but um, I think, you know, I just felt confident in my skills at that time. And I was too young to know what I didn't know. Right. right, Whereas like now it's like, I'm confident, but like, I just know that there's so much more for me to learn than whatever I I thought at the time. Right. So, uh, so you're on MySpace and you find LMFAO. Yeah. I find LMFAO and, um, I did you do shots? I did do shots. Yeah, I found them and and you know got was aware of their music and then I eventually um, I think I ran into him like in Hollywood like in a club at one point and I eventually walked up to him and I was like hey you know I'm a music video director and I'm a big fan of your work uh, your music and you know I'd love to like you know work with you or whatever and I exchanged like contacts with him and. Didn't hear from him for like a year. But what I would do this is... This is the main guy. It's two guys, right? Elmer yeah, there's, there's two guys in the group. And the main guy, Red Fu, is is this guy. Um, and I got his contact, his email. And I would just email him anything that I did, like my work. Like it's oh, kind of like kind of sure. like what, what you guys would, would do with, you know, s- sending just, to creative directors or agencies yeah. or whoever. Just like a heads with. up, like, hey, we did yeah, this. Yeah, hey, here's this new thing I did. Because I, I was still had some other music videos that I was doing, but I just, I just knew I, I liked mm-hmm. whatever they were creating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then literally uh, a year went by or something like that. And I get a, I get an email or maybe it was a phone call from a video commissioner at Interscope and they had been signed to Interscope mm-hmm. and they, they came out with a song called I'm in Miami bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like their first big hit. This is before shots. Yeah, this is before shots. And so, and the label paired them with like a very known director. Mm-hmm. And what I would later find out is that he had a very bad time working with that director. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, flash forward and they're, they're ready to do their next music video. And I get a email or a call from uh, a video commissioner and said, that's uh, her name is Nicole Ehrlich. And she's like, Hey, you know, this, this guy, this artist gave me your contact and they say, you want to work with you. And we got to go to Vegas next week to do this video shots. So I'm like, 
yeah, cool, let's do it. <laughs> so no, you didn't even need to pitch on it. They just asked for you. No, I, I did need to, I think I did need to write a treatment, but sure. it was, it, it was, I was at least being asked as somebody hmm. who, hey, would you want to like- Like you weren't begging for the job. They were like respecting you. Like, yeah, I'd I like so. to hear your, your idea on this. I, I think so. Yeah. I think it was like, hey, you know, I mean, we want to do it. That's pretty so. incredible though. I mean, right? and yeah. I am, yeah. Well, I guess to me, kind of like what I'm trying to hit on here, maybe I'm hitting it too hard on the head is that- like I am in Miami, bitch. I think a lot of anyone that knows LMFAO knows that song. But before that song, no one knew them unless you were kind of like looking sure, for them. Sure, right. like, tuned in. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. no one knew that shots was going to be a phenomenon. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I like think, a, or at least like a, a pop culture touchstone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think I remember feeling pretty disappointed actually was because I I found them and I. And I liked their music, at least their, I just thought they were kind of like goofy characters that were kind of fun. Um, Cause they were, I mean, I, I don't know anything about them, but they, didn't they, weren't they kind of making fun of like the hip hop culture originally? Um, I don't know if they were making fun of it. I just think like that they're they, like caricatures. Yeah. Of. I just think that at the time, if I, I don't know how much credit or like, you know, the listeners want to give them for them being musical geniuses. I, I'll, I'll, um, go to bat for him and say that I, I think the guys are very smart mm-hmm. and there is a, a, an element of genius to the stuff they were doing. They just kind of, they were guys that just, you know, wanted to have fun and, and sure. bring people, party music. Yeah. Bring yeah. people together and, and, you know, create it through party music, like you said. Yeah. So I think that um, I just enjoyed whatever it is they were putting out. And, and when they eventually came out with the, I'm in Miami bitch video, cause I figured, Oh, this song might get, you know, mm-hmm. popular. I was disappointed that I wasn't the one that that he called because sure. I had been kind of right emailing him, like courting, and, him. Yeah, yeah, courting him. Yeah. Uh, so, so you so you got so shots. you go to so, Vegas. So yeah, so I uh, I get shots and I go to Vegas. And what's the concept? Just like a party video. <sighs> what was the con? The concept was um, snap zooms. I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, no matter what the concept was. Uh, uh, it wasn't going to manifest mm-hmm. on our actual shoot day, right, um, right? Because there was lots of alcohol involved. Um, but I think not con- on your side, not not on my side. Although you know, I, I certainly could have used a drink. <laughs> like, um, were you nervous about this? I, I was. I was. Yeah, I was definitely really nervous um, going into it because um, I thought this is my. This was for, for sure my first like real record label right. interscope mm-hmm. yeah. yeah interscope record so yeah this is a, a distinct step up yeah. for sure yeah. yeah um and so the concept as i remember it was something to the effect of you know it's a lame party and then when these guys show up like the it's party a good party yeah, yeah. yeah it's like and it's at a whatever. pool is that right it's at yeah. a pool it's at uh, like in Tau, a hotel right yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah yeah and so that's sort of like the idea was whatever the minutia of the, the idea was that the essence is that they're going to, they're the life of the party. Right. Um, and so the very opening notes, they're not at the party yet. Yeah. The very opening notes, they're not, they're not there, you know, no, it's very empty pool. Mm-hmm. The DJ that's playing is super whack, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you know, uh, everyone is not having a good time. And then all of a sudden, you know, one of their guys that one of their groupies shows up and, puts on the music and little John bursts in with like a bunch of, you know, party people and they show up and, you know, everything goes bananas. And how do you get little John? Do they pretty much get little John? Well, so they had little John on the song. And so so he was a feature and well, you know, for me, little John was like, this is like LMFAO is like the main band, but little John is like, this is 
for sure a big artist that I'm working with. Sure. Like, at least for yeah. me. It's yeah, like, definitely. Oh my God. You know, yeah. I, I actually like know your music. Um, and can we ask like what kind of budget they were giving you at this point? I think the budget was probably either like 25 grand or 30 grand. No yeah. way. And that includes renting like the pool at Tao? They got the, they got the Tao pool for free because right. wow. I don't know because what, what, you know, at the, at the time I think like the Tao group just like thought they were kind of cool, you know, they're kind of, you know, mm-hmm. a and new group and, and they just, they're getting featured. Getting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And are there any safety considerations? Like all these drunk people at the pool with cameras, like electricity gear well, lights. Here's what's really interesting is that the pool is open. Right. So, <laughs> Oh, like people, yeah, regular you're just, people. You're right. just running around. The, with, with, the, the pool is open. So like, you know, and, and this is, you know, Tao beach specific. If you guys like, you know, know the Vegas pool world. Is that the topless beach? It's it's not topless, but it's it's the one where when you go to a Vegas hotel, there's like the pool and everyone right. can go, and then right. there's like the club pool, which is right. like the, the gotta, one that has a DJ. A yeah, 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 sure. You, you know, you, you got to you know put up some money or know people or whatever. And so we're filming in the you know in that part of their pool. <laughs> and so, sorry, just remind us how old are you at this point? Uh, You're I'm, like twenty. Two twenty three. No, 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 no. I mean, this is like I'm twenty five. I think. Okay. So I'm. Yeah. I mean, this is like three or four years since we've graduated. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Be, Still. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a, a amazing opportunity yeah. for sure. Um, and yeah, so the pool is open, and it, basically, I mean, we shoot in order, which kind of maybe added to the the hilarity of the video when I go and watch it back because. It, it gets progressively more sloppy and, and <laughs> falls apart totally, yeah. <laughs> you know, like as everyone is getting more and more wasted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're actually drinking. Right? 100%. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it's always boggling to me how much, because you always think like, oh, music videos or whatever, but like people do get messed up making music videos. Yeah, that is really. And it can be genuinely frustrating. It, it, it actually it actually is. It's like, yeah. you know, as I got into do more like quote unquote professional work or whatever, um, it definitely was uh, something that like would always, you know, kind of be the antithesis of what we're trying to accomplish is, yeah. is like a sense of professionalism. And there's yeah. always people like, you know, smoking weed or partying or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it just is a part of it. Yeah. Do you know how many views the video has on YouTube? I, I don't. 247 million. Not cool. bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of shots, people. It's a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of shots. Um. Um, so how do you direct, like, sometimes I'll watch a video like shots. I think probably even at the time I'm like, there's all these people dancing in the pool. Everyone's in bathing suits. Everyone's going insane. These people are jumping and spilling things on each other. How do you direct that? Are you yelling that out to them or are they just, are you just like have a good time and you happen to have really good performers? Well, there's, there's definitely an element of like, so there's a, what would I would call like the master performance, you know, mm-hmm. you always get master performances or whatever in music videos, at least ones that are performance based. Um, and in that particular instance, it's, it's just, you know, coordinating a group of people mm-hmm. and, and saying like, okay, you know, we're going to hit the music and, you know, here's the camera move and this is what we're going to do. And we're going to run the song and, you know, everyone go, go crazy, you know? And, and then, and then they're at that point like actors and they just do whatever they want to do right. at the time. And are you, dressing them and casting them and all that stuff uh there there are people in that um that were casted because there at one point right was some semblance of story that totally <laughs> fell apart um and they're the, they're supposed to be the people that like oh you know they weren't enjoying the party and 
now they they're are. here and now they're yeah. enjoying the party. So you know, some of those shots are like actors who mm-hmm. are, oh, I'm drinking now and having fun. Um, but but the large majority of people are people that were at the pool and they're like, oh, this is like crazy. And they're already so you know messed up anyways <laughs> that they're just enjoying the fact that sure. there's a music video being shot at their pool party. Yeah, that's a story you tell forever. Yeah. So when you're shooting it, do you have a sense that it's going to work? Let me put it this way. At lunch, I definitely went around the corner and had to hold back tears because I I definitely thought that the video, that this is like my big opportunity. Uh Like this is, you know, I'm doing this label. Like I I legitimately was like, I I can't put anything together. Like I I have no idea. There's no story. There's no story. Like there's, there's nothing. Did John Penner shoot it? Um, No, Bobby Lamb shot it. Oh, Bobby Lamb shot it. Oh, wow. And, and I, I had to have a conversation with him and like, you know, I think he could see on my face, like how worried I was and flustered. Um, so, but eventually we, we just kind of tanked, like whatever our game plan was, like after lunch, we said, okay, pull yourself up. And then you decide, okay, here's what we're going to do. And here's how we can salvage it. And it, and you're shooting on 35. Um, what are we shooting on? You know, I, I actually don't remember. Maybe yeah. it was 16 or maybe it was 30. Maybe it, but something knows? where you can't be just rolling. Because nowadays I feel like you're in that situation. You just would shoot you're just, Let's roll, roll, roll. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. can yeah. you send B-cam over there to get some yeah, yeah. inserts? Yeah. And I do just, remember Bobby before the video had come out was like, yeah, I was in Vegas. <laughs> and at a certain point I was just snap zooming nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just like, what do you do? I, I mean, yeah, at that point, I, I definitely, and this is funny, is that little John, um, as I would, after the fact, become, you know, like, not friends with him, but like, you know, sure. cordial, and, and I ended, wound, ended Did up Did you doing, text little John? I could text little yeah, John, see, but there I, I ended up doing a couple videos for him, yeah, yeah. you know, years down the road, but um, what he would tell me is like, at the time, he was like, this is... Like, a he, he, he thought it was like a total disaster like because because he's the th- here's the thing like he's a party guy and everything but he's also a professional yeah so, sure. so he you know he he's, knows what he's doing yeah he yeah. knows what he's doing he's having a good time but he's yeah. also like he's been on sets mm-hmm. and he knows how it works and he's sort of like he he legitimately thought like this was a total train wreck but then when he saw it he was like this is genius so how did it turn around what was the moment where you were like oh this actually will work i i think i think it there was just a time where it's like, let's just cover the song, mm-hmm. you know? And this is probably where, where Bobby remembers, oh, just snap zoom, snap zoom. We'll yeah. just get it. You know, just covering the song, capturing just the feel of what it's supposed to be anyways, mm-hmm. you know, not worrying so much about like, oh, I wanted to do my shot like this and I wanted to get this vignette. It's sure. sort of like, am I getting the essence of what, again, the the concept the was? Party. Right. Yeah, which, which, which is so... turning the party around, you know? That's so brilliant, yeah. right? Like that's all you want out of that's the distillation of certainly a a song called shots but also like that group do you know what i mean like bright colors having fun like getting the party going and like there's something so the getting out of your own way maybe because you were forced to right because people were loaded and like things are going crazy but like that's the brilliance of it yeah you know and it was a good lesson and something i wish i think at that time, I wish I was, you know, objective enough to sort of understand it. Um, but it's something now, you know, I think one of the biggest things that has, um, it, like, one of the ways I think I've matured most in my career is, is having that understanding of mm-hmm. I'm not so attached to 
um, very specific, like it has to be this shot or it has mm-hmm. to be this. I'm sort of more in, you know, attached to the idea of like, well, what is the the core story I'm trying to tell? And, you know, letting my um, departments and mm-hmm. actors or whoever mm-hmm. just sort of serve it in their own way mm-hmm. and, and being okay with that. Yeah. I mean, that's so smart. That's like a real, real gift to have that perspective. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, okay. So you have this LMFAO shots video come out. It's obviously a huge hit. The song is a giant hit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think people, it's, that was years ago, right? And people are still playing the song. 2009 or, you know, 2010, somewhere around then. And so my, just jogging my own memory, the next big video I remember from you, I couldn't be wrong, but I think it was like a Katy Perry video with like Kenny G and Rebecca Black. Hold on. Hold on. That's very exciting to hear about, but I want to hear about, so, so you've got a hit video, mm-hmm. right? Does your life change? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it does. I mean, look, it does and it doesn't. I mean, you definitely have now a piece on your reel that um, for the most part, you know, anyone who now will look at my work will say, oh, cool. Like, I know. He this. did the shots video. The shots or, video. You know, and, yeah. and at the very least, it's a, it's a conversation starter. Um, and, and that's very helpful, but it's not like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, my phone won't stop and, mm-hmm. and everything like that. So, uh, there's still a lot of, you know, work that has end grinding, you know, and you, you get back from Vegas and it's sort of back to being one of 20 directors on the treatment, you know? Sure. And also, is that, a, is that do literally 20 people tr- sometimes pitch on a music video? I, I, I don't know what it's like maybe right now, but, but I, I wouldn't, um, be surprised if wait if the people are reading 20 treatments i don't know if they're reading it i think that sure but the, they're so 20 directors are working their asses off on treatments and then getting whittled down to probably a yeah i think that there's that is brutal i think that there were you know i don't know if it's their fault or whatever but i think the video commissioners were shotgunning a lot of hey write a treatment write a treatment and then see what sticks and then maybe they bring a few to the artist and and then the artist just wants to work with their friend anyway so I think that that's kind of how it worked. And I suspect there is no easy answer to this. Um, but what's like, what do you, do you think is like, what are your core things you want to, in, want to include in a treatment on a music video? For me, I think when it comes to a music video, uh, the artist is like, they're not really going to read anything. I mean, I think that that's probably true of, even if you did commercials or whatever, most people aren't going to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, the text. They're, they're going to look at the pictures. But I guess the difference with, say, a, a creative director at a ad agency, I think that they're still concerned with what the core idea is. Um, whereas I think a lot of artists in the music video world are more concerned with maybe like a feeling mm-hmm. or a tone. Um, and I think that that's kind of the language that musicians speak is they're they're thinking more in terms of like less oh, story and more like what am i going to what are people going to think when they look at yeah this? or just like you know i mean i think i think for them their music has a certain feeling that they associate with it um and i think that they might be looking for that in a treatment um the feeling that they're, they're like yeah that that's what i felt or that's what i wanted to, wanted it to feel like right and i i guess i wouldn't assume some artists are more into storytelling and it probably comes out in their music and other people are more into tone or feeling or yeah, visuals yeah. or they want to travel to a certain place and you're pitching that we shoot that music video in a certain place. Yeah. Or, and you were hung up on traveling to a certain place. 
I yeah. feel like I mentioned it once, but I stole that idea from Tim Nakashi, who said it when he was on here, and he said that like I found out this band wants to go to Japan, so I pitched the, something sure, in Japan. That's true. So that's what you do. You kind of you find the images that tell the tone. Yeah, I, I think at least that was what I was going for, and and again, it, it all depends on the treatment and sure. who you're pitching to, and how much of an idea is there versus it just being a performance thing. Mm -hmm. So over the past 10 years, I mean, obviously music videos have kind of come down in budgets and I know you do a lot more commercial stuff and TV stuff, but what's, what would you say your batting average was on like how many treatments you wrote versus how many jobs you got? I feel like I've written so many treatments, honestly. Do you think you get like one out of three or one out of 10? Oh, definitely more than the one out of 10 level. And you think that's probably pretty normal? Um, I don't know, actually. I, I wonder, you know, I, I sure there might be people who bat way higher than that. But for me, that was probably my experience. Yeah. Well, and I guess there's also the question of like, I think when you're starting out, those jobs maybe are more plentiful, but lower paying, right? Like mm-hmm. when you're in basically in between that Keek the Stink video and LMFAO, there were probably a lot of like, ah, we've got $500 and we want to do a cool video. Mm-hmm. And like, those aren't quite as competitive, maybe. Yeah. Uh, But then at a certain point, you know, when you're getting into the five figure, six figure sort of range for a project, like, those are for keeps, you know? That's true. And so it becomes a little disheartening because you're not winning them quite as frequently. Right. Yeah. So Um, to be a director, everyone. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's literally fighting the odds like every single day. Like on everything you do. If you enjoy needing to be lucky, then you should be a director. Okay, so you made these music videos. You kind you worked with Lil John, you LMFAO. Um, you know, you've done uh CeeLo Green now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kind of incremental steps of like bigger and bigger artists. Maybe you're booking a little more consistently. Do you sign with reps at a certain point or is it just kind of that your name is getting out there? Uh I I did have a rep, I think, um, Probably around the time when I did shots, I, I can't remember what came first. You know, mm-hmm. somewhere sure. all a blur in that time. But I, but I had a rep, and I did not have a production company that I worked with. So those jobs were going through production service companies or mm-hmm. or whoever my rep sort of knew. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I know this producer, and they have a company, and they'll run the job. Um, but I'd say that the year. You know, around that time, I started thinking, okay, like you know, I, I would love to land on a. A music video production company or mm-hmm. you know ideally a, a production company that does both commercial and stuff but sure, certainly for sure. me like what was more attainable was one that specialized in videos and there are a few out there at that time um and eventually i i think i just sent my work around and i reached out to one company at the time it was called rock hard films mm-hmm. and um i took a meeting with the ep uh who was also a director mm-hmm. it was a director owned company and um got on their roster Cool. And uh, did you like it? Did you, what, what was what was did? How did things change for you once you were on a roster? Was it just still like oh, I'm I'm just treating the same way? I I mean I'm assuming they're now sending you like tracks, right? And they're like, hey, listen to this. They're looking for a director. Or are you still kind of kicking around on MySpace? I think I think I at that time I was definitely felt like I I was still doing most of the legwork. Yeah. Um, and the my rep was the one sending me tracks or Mm -hmm. or at least you know putting me up for jobs but you know most of the jobs that i i think i ended up getting 
ones for like, you know, Soldier Boy or Little John or, or whoever, like they're, they're all, or, you know, come from relationships. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Little John's a good mm -hmm. example of like, oh, you know, you do a video with him and then he knows mm -hmm. you and then he's a featured artist. And then right. when he needs one, like, you know, you have a much better chance. Right. Right. So I guess part of my idea to conduct this interview is based on Mickey, just you kind of reached out to me the other day and you said you'd heard about the podcast, but like I've known you for a long time, but it's not like we're really in touch, but I see you on social media. So right. there's these blips in my life over like the last 10, 15 years of seeing you. So I remember at some point I knew you were doing all these music videos, but then I see this short film you put out with John Petter, a DP that uh, I met through you, but I also had worked with and it was this esports short film and the production value looked like crazy high. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that? Like, why are you making a short film now that you have your a music video career off the ground? Yeah, I think, I mean, this is, you know, some years later. And I think um, for me, like my goal, of course, was always like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go on the Spike Jones path. I'm going to do music sure. videos and then commercials and narratives and things like that. And everything was uh, going well. And, and, but I had realized like, hey, you know, I, I think at a certain point I'm like, hey, I'm kind of like not mm -hmm. like taking the turn that I want or putting in the effort of like going to where I want to go. Mm -hmm. And that's to do narrative work. So for me, it was like, okay, I should do a short or I should, you know, start to develop things that I want to direct or, um, you know, just, just put more effort into that, that lane. Mm -hmm. Um, and aside from videos, like a big, a big passion of mine was always, uh, gaming and video games and, and that whole culture. And at that time I was, you know, particularly interested in esports. I mean, I'm still I'm still interested in esports, but it was becoming. What are your games? Uh, League of Legends. League of Legends. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? No, no. that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's sure. it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I mean, that, you know, I mean, yeah, you I wish of, I had like more time to you, play more games. You focus, but that's I get the you. one game yeah, yeah. that you know I can I yeah, can yeah. dig into every every now and again. Um, but I wanted to do a short, and I would watch you know um, some of the docu content that was coming out about some of these esports players and I was right, like actually, Vice did a lot of great sure. stuff yeah. also we had a friend who was like making a ton of that stuff as well and yeah. was in house at one of those big yeah companies. and I was and so I was you know consuming this content this docu content following these player stories as I paid attention to the esports and I was really inspired by like you know the things that they were going through and thought that it was you know a for them it was it was a, a high risk dream like any other where they're they were gonna give up everything to sort of, you know, pursue this career in, in esports and also, you know, much to the chagrin of, of their families and, and certainly, especially some year you know, five years ago, the the idea of being a professional gamer is ridiculous sure yeah right. when we were children it was like a, a pie in the sky dream like right. what if i made money playing video games right so, so did you picture it as like a drama um i did picture it as a drama I, I think because because of the stuff i was seeing and and understanding their stories and and being you know inspired by them i i think um that felt like the most sort of natural to do something in the coming of age space about mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. um so i got you know decided to write a short film about it and do it and then and what came of that uh so i i did the short film and i i think at the t i didn't 
I wish I was listening to the Just Shoot It podcast at the time. I because don't think it existed yet. It, right? may, it may have not. When did you guys start? I mean, maybe actually. It's been almost five years, Yeah, right? about five so years. 2015. Okay. So, yeah. yeah so, so 2015, 16 is when I did sure. this. Um, we probably weren't releasing regularly yet. <laughs> gotcha. But but I, 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 was, I really didn't know anything about, you know, mm-hmm. the sort of festival world or mm-hmm. what to do with your short or, or, you know, what becomes of it. I think it's so interesting because like, I think people listen, like he did, he's done all these giant, you know, music videos, like these like legit stars Yeah. and he went to film school, but then he's like, like, it's interesting how segmented all these different things are like music videos and commercials and shorts and yeah. And features. it, and it, it also, I mean, something I think you guys do a good job talking about on the podcast. It's like, you know, I, I, I know you, Matt, you sure. know, it's like, yeah. you know, we don't see each other all the time, but I probably could have just texted you or emailed you and said, Hey, you know, would you want to get coffee and just, sure. just help me, you know, guide yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing my first short. Like, it'd be great to just pick your brand. Cause I, cause I certainly knew that you have done stuff and right. like all the way back to mountain man and sure. been, been in, yeah, these, yeah. in these things. So I would, so it would have been smart of me to sort of. Right. Well, and it's hard to know to do that stuff. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it feels, cause I don't think that, like certainly my parents never like had like a business question where they would like call a pal and then like go <laughs> right. to coffee over. You know what right. I mean? It's not it's not learned behavior. Like you have to kind of I feel like I picked it up in the development world. Mm. The development because it's so meeting based. Yeah. Like, oh, we're gonna go like talk to somebody about this project and that project. That's uh, you know, that cliche of like let's do lunch, that's real, you know. Right. right. Um, but applying it to just like asking a peer what to do next i think is an easy thing to underestimate yeah for sure yeah yeah and so for me i i think i completed it and then wasn't sure if it was something hey should i just put it online and you know maybe people enjoy it or should i put it in festivals uh i wasn't really sure and certainly didn't know any strategy to sure. like you know what does this type of film belongs in what type of festival mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and but but i did submit it to certain festivals and and, and did you finance it yourself i did finance it yeah can um, i ask how much you spent on it i spent uh twenty thousand dollars wow on it yeah. so you like you were like all in you're like this short is gonna move help me move my music video career into or help me move my career as a director into narrative stuff yeah, I mean, I, I at that point I had uh, an agent and a manager and stuff, and sure. I had been, you know, going into meetings and um, getting into circles and pitching on maybe features mm-hmm. and stuff. But you know, it's it, it's still I'm still a music video director. It's still sort of hard right. for me to really, you know, get but, land a job. Yeah, that way. that's interesting because a lot of people, and I feel like I got this advice a lot when I was kind of like at that place in my career where people are like, don't use your own money, like get other people to pay for stuff. Mm. Like go pitch on things and go do this thing and convince other people to pay for stuff. But then you see the people that are actually successful at doing it and they don't mm-hmm. do that. They make their yeah. own thing so that they can control it and mm. they can show people this is this is exactly what I, what exactly I, what I would make. Well, that's yeah. interesting because it, it did remind me at the time, I did meet someone at Disney who... Um, I forget what department she worked in, but they were doing this program about, you know, funding short films and mm-hmm. they actually, you know, I pitched her godlike and she said, Oh, we'll fund it for you. But I actually chose not to do that because they were going to like sort of release it mm-hmm. on whatever their channel was or whatever. Sure. And so I wasn't sure if that was like a smart thing for me to do. 
Um, right. Then they'd I, own it, all of that yeah, stuff. And I, yeah. And I, you know, I was maybe thinking, oh, maybe I can try festivals and things. And, sure. I, and I kind of wanted that experience. And yeah. luckily I was an opportunity where I could um, fund it for myself. Sure. And it, was there an idea that it could be a feature or a TV show or something at that um, time? Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I certainly thought, okay, yeah, this could be something that is, you know, turned into a feature or mm-hmm. perhaps a, perhaps a, a streaming series or something, whatever makes sense for, I guess that demographic of who would want to watch it. Sure. Yeah, $20,000 is a funny number, right? Because it's so much if it's coming out of your own pocket. Yeah. And not a ton if you're making a short, right? you know? Um, and also, if you compare that number to, say, the theses that we were all working on in film school, you know, like a fraction sometimes. Right. You know? I, and it was interesting because when I did it, you know, I it's also... and this is probably true for you guys too. And, but I'd love to hear you talk about it. It's like, you know, you, you guys work regularly and you, your, your, your work is at a certain level. Mm -hmm. Um, so is it, you know, it's sort of, for me, it was, it was going to be hard. I mean, $20,000 is still really nothing, but like it still was going to be hard for me to direct something in a Mm -hmm. way where I had the tools that I felt I needed to tell the story properly. Yeah. There's, there's a gift in like when you start out, like, I did three web series like all the way through without a monitor. <laughs> you know right, what I right. mean? Like, like you're just standing next to the camera. Operator. Yeah. I would just look over the DP's shoulder and then like focus on the performances like right. for, for years, you know, for, prob- for probably five years and liked it. And now, you know, you, it's hard to turn away from, being able to look at the frame for instance just (laughs) as a metaphor for like you know once you start to level up it becomes harder and harder to you know ignore the creature comforts or sometimes the necessity of those things like you know like there's a lot of things that are stylistically are informed by just the lack of gear you know there's no like rack focus in squaresville because we couldn't pull focus right you know (laughs) like um yeah, all the blocking is everyone is standing on the same flat plane because uh, there was the lens was broken. The um, all of the blocking <laughs> is quite stationary because because we couldn't follow people around. You know, right. it's like a lot yeah. of kids like talking on beds or in tree houses or whatever. Right. And like I didn't realize how limited I was because right. we kind of made it work, and also because I think we were I was fortunate enough to have people who were skilled technicians who could kind of hide those flaws from me rather yeah. than someone just being like, well. If you had fucking rented a follow focus and a real camera, we'd be able to make them walk into the scene stupid. Right. But to Mickey's point, you weren't coming off a quarter million dollar shoot the day before. And so, yeah, I think there there is that thing of figuring out how to come to terms with that or make those decisions for yourself. You know, so so where where do you cut? Just to say $20,000, again, so much friggin' money. To spend. To spend. Not a lot to have. Yeah, yeah. But so on. What you're normally using, right? Yeah. So on twenty grand, do you pay your crew? I think we, I think I did pay my crew. Yeah. And do you get permit? Yeah. The money the money was used in a way that was like okay, we're, you know, I, I don't have to worry about mm-hmm. getting kicked out of this location. Right. Um, but you know, it's not it's not all like sun sunshine and rainbows. You know, while I'm filming, it's still like you know, run and gun, and and maybe there are scenes in that film that we we still stole. But like for the most part, in the main locations, we're yeah. able to. Let me ask you: if you had done it where you everyone was working for free and 
you did it the wrong way, right? Like you didn't get permits and mm-hmm. like maybe you shot on a DSLR or something like that. How mm-hmm. much would it have cost you? Oh, I think a lot less. Yeah. yeah. I think that that, I mean. Like 5,000. 5, yeah. 5,000. Yeah. 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 So like there's that weird thing of like, you know, thing that there's the arms race, right? I, I'm living through that with the feature that we just did where it's like, well, yeah, I have to permit because of course I can't, I can't risk getting kicked out of a location that I'm embedded in for a week or something right, like that. Right, right. And then and your insurance and then probably insurance requiring. And da, 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 da. Yeah. It's like, there's that weird little incremental step that if you can keep it low enough, then you're okay. But yeah, I think as we get older, we're just not used to even seeing how to cut those corners yeah. anymore. Yeah. But there is something kind of interesting about music videos too, because like, if you had twenty thousand dollars, if I had twenty thousand dollars and I wanted to go shoot a scene at the Tao Beach Club, right? There's no way I could do it, right? Right. But then for twenty five thousand dollars, you can have a giant music video big party there without like how many extras, quote unquote extras, right? Probably, right. Like I mean, like a hundred, hundreds, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's just it's just interesting how the budget number really has little to do with. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it is interesting as you when you phrase it, it's like depending on what the context of the job is it's it's your money can go longer or shorter mm-hmm. just depending on what you know how everyone understands what you're doing you know i think with it with a music video it's like it's harder because you know, nobody wants to put in favors for a music video mm-hmm. whereas like a short film you can kind of get favors from sure. friends and things yeah, like yeah. that because people understand yeah right yeah and maybe there's a little bit more i think similarly like there are people who want to move into narrative you know like narrative is always the thing that people want more of so it's easier to find like a dp who will volunteer their time or like you know people who can kind of upgrade people who want to like do more script supervision or whatever the even like the different jobs that you tend to need to pay more you can even give them you know a smaller rate or something like that and they're excited about it because it means opportunity in different ways right so let me ask you Something that people will know why I'm asking you. Um, like, which job of yours got you into the DGA? Um, definitely not the coolest job I've ever done. It was a promo for Mike and Molly. Uh huh. It was just kind of a random thing. It was like um, a promo for Mike and Molly. There was a company that had hired me a few times to uh, direct things for like uh, television promos and mm-hmm. some commercial work. Um, and all non union. Uh, yeah, yeah, at that time, or for whatever it was, uh, it was all non-union. And then when this Mike and Molly Molly thing came around, it was, they needed, it had to be DGA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know how it works for them or why, what jobs they decide to do DGA. Um, and they didn't want to just bring in DGA director? They had someone doing one part. It was like, there were mul- kind of multiple promos and I don't know why they decided to do it, but one guy was doing one and then I had another. Mm-hmm. Um, just It just had to do with the fact that, I mean, we literally shot them at the same time and they rotated the actors, I guess. Oh, crazy. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was huh. maybe right, it was like, into like a TV day. show. Yeah, like, like how they have to sort of juggle whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so they needed someone who could come on and the, the guy that was doing one of the promos was in the DGA um, and they, they knew me and they kind of threw my name out to, you know, the company and the network and stuff. And they said that, you know, uh, oh, if Mickey can get sponsored by 
I, I think you have to get sponsored by three people in the DJ or basically do the stuff, do the work uh, mm-hmm. before the shoot, then, you know, w- w- he can do the job and then I can join the DJ. So, and now it's that you're, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, it kind of is right. Like that. It's just kind of like, yeah, you the right just have to get a DJ job. Yeah. yeah. Are, are, can I, are you guys eating? No, DJ? we're oh, not, no. but it's something but, that I feel like, well, basically every production company I work with now is like, I'm like, I would very much like to be in the DGA. And they're like, we do not want you to be in the DGA. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, it's so interesting because I would tough. think you guys would be because you guys sure. do a lot of, um, well, I mean, you know, yeah. you, even in commercial and stuff or like you, you, you guys have done a lot of great narrative stuff too. So yeah. I just would think over some circumstance you would have. I think it's very close. I'm in a position now where commercially the company that I'm with is not DGA yet, Mm. but I think that's just circumstances of like it being very new and very soon they will be. And so like, I would be surprised if I don't join this year. Gotcha. But I'm also nervous about it because, you know, we talked to Josh Rubin and you know, I do want to do like a indie feature in the future. And like when you go really micro budget, it can get complicated because you still have to have a first and a second. And, you know, like there's a, there's some, some things that are designed to protect directors, but when you are also the producer, right? maybe you don't, you're forced into a decision basically that makes me a little nervous. And then also it's a lot of money. And also we have plenty of friends who like, got edged out of non-union work Mm. because they joined a little too early Mm. and didn't quite have the connections to get that rebuild that work just quite yet right now and so like to me it's about tearing the band-aid off and so i think we're both probably pretty ready i mean i have a totally different perspective yeah yeah what What, tell us yeah yeah. i i don't know of any people that are not getting jobs because they're dga maybe like once or like i got one job that I know of over like that Jeep spot of over the years. I know of one job I got because I was not non-union. I know of many more jobs that I did not get because I was not Not union. Mm. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. And I know, you know, like anytime, yeah, it's a signatory company more in the narrative space on the commercial space. I have yet in the last three years to work for a company that does not have both a signatory side and a non-signatory side. Mm. Mm -hmm. The biscuit has gravy there's a uh, I'm blanking on all the names of these production sure. companies well, but you're totally right though they're all they, quite but clever like the company too. I yeah, work yeah. with yeah like I've worked the I'll let this I mean I don't even want to say it actually because a lot of times it's like ah oh, they flipped us so we got to use this other company name yeah, you're yeah. like yeah. What? who's paying me yeah why is this hardware store paying yeah, they're yeah. like that's our union so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the reason people don't want me to go union is because then the budget doesn't work anymore right you know mm-hmm. sure well, but I mean, I don't know if this is like a bad thing to say, but I feel like it's kind of in that space though, where, you know, to equate it to people who are actors, you might know that are in SAG and they might still sort of just do non-SAG work, but right, like a funnier sort of like, video or no something. one's going to really sure. come after them or whatever. Well, that's what I Which is not think. entirely true. No, I, I know a director who obviously I wouldn't name who got a real Matt wrist slap. Tim, Tim, Tim <laughs> Mickey Finnegan. Yeah, no, just just, just to look through uh, all of the people who've ever been on our show. But yeah, no, like got in trouble for it. I can think of two people who got in, three who got in real trouble for Interesting. it. Interesting, okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm doing a promo for uh, American Idol. Oh, cool. On ABC this month, but they never. I I don't think well, they I've, care. I've yeah. But I'm I'm curious. PGA. Yeah, I've I've also done a promo for um, ABC. ABC, but they they don't do their promos union. Well, they uh, they hired a third party company, but yeah. then we're using like their crew, which is weird. That is weird. Can we talk a little bit about promos, actually? Because sure. it is a is that kind of your bread and butter now? I know you do a lot of commercials too, but if you I look at your site, there's a ton of promos. Yeah, I mean, I I it, it's so weird. Like I for me, it's like I'm just like in the place where you know what the what, what's the next job? Like one mm-hmm. leads to the next, and then you know from some of my video work, I got asked to do a promo and I was like, cool. Yeah, whatever. And so I ended up having a lot of promos for whatever reason, just meeting people over. And can we just define a promo yeah, for yeah. our listeners that don't know? I guess a promo is a, could be a commercial for the network or could be something that a network is, uh, you know, doing a commercial for a, a TV show they have, or mm-hmm. maybe there's, um, an award show like the Oscars, you know, mm-hmm. and they need to promote that. And that would be a promo. And these, these are things, commercials that are for, um, you know, networks mm-hmm. for, for TV shows for, and networks yeah, or whoever's yeah. airing it, which is or, different than a commercial, which is like always for a brand basically. Yeah. But so it is its own ecosystem. Yeah. And we had Ira Rosenzweig on who does a, a decent amount of promo work as well, but it's a thing that I've done a couple, but it's a, it's a world that I'm not super familiar with. Frankly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've done a handful, but I'm really not familiar with it either. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's, but yeah. But they're cool, right? Like you did Scream Queens. You yeah. Did, yeah. I mean, some Scream, of them. That's the breakout one for you, right? Like Scream yeah. Queens was the one where I was like, oh, it makes sense to get someone who has style to yeah. do something. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it was, that was, you know, when I got the call for that, that was how it was sort of presented. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we want someone who can do like comedy, but kind of like, pop and keep mm-hmm. it sort of colorful and but do you write a treatment for that or no um in the in that particular one i didn't have a treatment that is anything to the level of what like a commercial we do for a commercial or whatever mm-hmm. but it but i did kind of create like just maybe it's just for me and the network creative like hey here's like two pages or three pages of like this is what we're going for <sighs> sounds awesome it 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 was awesome. And, and was it your idea or was it their idea that you built on? It was, it was his, it was his idea. It was very much like a commercial, like here are the concepts and you know, what, you know, I, thinking, you know, how can you put your spin on it? Mm-hmm. Um, but that show was kind of interesting too, because at that time when I did the promo, they hadn't filmed the show yet. Mm. Um, so Ryan Murphy, who created the show and created Glee and all these other things was somewhat involved in it and mm-hmm. so I, I had some correspondence with him oh that's cool yeah so does promo work ever lead to directing a tv episode in my experience it has not led to that because um, you're working with the actors from the show yeah you're making yeah. something that has a, is tonally similar to the show yeah but maybe i can check back with you guys on that because i've applied this year i applied to a couple television directing programs. Awesome. Um, and in some of my letters of recommendation that were required for that, like I referenced the fact like, Hey, I had this taste mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. um, directing, you know, a network show and actors and like being able to kind of navigate like, Oh, putting your voice on it, but also you can't tell them what to do because they know their characters better. And right. You right. know, just being able to sort of navigate that. Fascinating. Yeah. I, I am apprehensive about 
that part of it because my attitude has always been that once you are introduced to an entity or a person, they think of you as the job that you are currently doing. Sure. Yeah. And so it's really, really hard to break out. One, and to, you have to build a real personal relationship with someone for right. them to understand that you can do something besides the thing that you're you were initially hired to do. Yeah. You know. And so like in a certain sense i'd rather not get to know the showrunner mm. if i was shooting promos for a show that i actually wanted yeah. to direct it well, to direct and hope I, that they didn't recognize my name yeah. you know i i mean they, they unless probably, they love the promos though right yeah. yeah yeah but but it is a different skill you know what i mean yeah. like making a television show right but being good at promos does not mean you're not good you don't have the skills of the tv sure. it means you have some of the skills and so it's like if you're interviewing for a job and they want to know does this person is this person good with actors is their aesthetic mm-hmm. taste person are they good with crews can they deliver yeah. on time and then can they tell a story over half an hour so the promo isn't giving you like maybe potentially the most important part of it but it's giving you covering you on all those other fronts right right yeah. I, i'm not saying that it's logical i'm saying that i have observed that pretty consistently and also caught myself doing it you know i can think of like plenty of people who are great crew members who have explicitly said like hey i want to do something different and i have to really remind myself when i'm looking for someone to do that job that like oh the person who you know was pulling focus really is a great dp or something like that you know no i I think i think you're right in in some sense of like i it probably you know, I, I don't think if I was like, uh, you know, the the promo guy who like mm-hmm. did, you know, hundreds of them, that that would be an obvious like, hey, like I should get Mickey to direct my TV show. Like um, it, it. But but I also don't think that the, a showrunner really you don't, don't you don't interface don't with them that much know. and yeah. they, they wouldn't remember that you did right. it. And right. that's true. You know, I, I don't think that you doing a promo for one show would mean that you'll never be able to do that. You are absolutely right. That's true. Yeah. Um, It does make me think of Joseph Kahn did a couple episodes of crazy ex-girlfriend. So Joseph Kahn being, he was a huge video music video director and then made a a movie or two. He made torque, Mm -hmm. which people I think wrote off, but it's kind of meant to be sort of, it it read as like fast and furious. Meant to be Ben. I think it was meant to be f- sort of funny, yeah, maybe a little tongue in cheek. Um, and he did, it's def- uh, definitely a definitely a movie that seems like you're in director jail now. Yeah, like right. well, he made for, another yeah. feature, right? Maybe he made a movie called Bodied, but he did another. He there was, was he was, was an- the guy. He was the music video guy, yeah. and then made a couple of movies. He also made and that Power Rangers short. Went That's back, right, yeah. Well, yeah, then went back to music videos, but it was still like, okay, like how do I? How do I dig myself out of this? A hole? Funny yeah. side, quick Joseph Kahn story because uh, I've always thought he was really amazing, and I've always admired his work. Like, he did do a movie; I can't remember the name of it, but it had a very small showing in a Burbank theater, and I went because oh, cool. I wanted to watch this movie. Sure. And I, it was and like it, me and my girlfriend and and Joseph and Kahn. Joseph Kahn <laughs> and like and two girls actually, and we were like the five people in the theater. <laughs> That's um, so good. But then after the show, I introduced myself and talked to him and told, yeah. told him great job and yeah. All that stuff. yeah can you tell him about the podcast i, I don't i don't know his <laughs> i also worked with him you know my my only job i got fired on was uh wait the jamiroquai music video uh i was a pa on set my roommate was like but, his assistant but not not 
not the Jamiroquai video. Not the not one, not virtual the virtual insanity. Not virtual yeah, insanity. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. one um, we shot on the Fox lot. I forget the, what the song was. What did you do to get fired? I was a PA. I was supposed to like return all the wardrobe that they didn't, we didn't wear to Universal by 5 p.m. And it was like raining and I didn't re- know that it was by 5 p.m. But they sent me at 3 p.m. from the Fox lot on, on mm-hmm. motor. And it was like literally the worst traffic of LA in my entire life. I mean, this is like 15 years ago or something. I got to Universal at like 5.05 and it was closed and I called the wardrobe people. I was like, hey, it's closed. What should I do? And they're like, what? You just got there? I was like, yeah, it was like insane traffic. Uh, And this is like pre-GPS days or anything. And they're like, why didn't you call us? I was like, I don't know. I didn't know I was going to close at 5. They're like, you didn't know I was going to close at 5. Why didn't you call us? I'm like, why would I call you? And they're like, okay, well, go to Warner Brothers. See if if they're open because I was supposed to go there afterwards. I went there. They were closed too. It's like, yeah, they're also closed. They're like, you've ruined everything. It's going to be thousands of dollars extra. We're supposed to return everything today. And I came literally as I came back, my roommate was the loader on the set. She's like, even by the time I got there, she's like, Orn, you got to go apologize to the producers. Like everyone's pissed off at you. And I apologize to the producers and everything. And then like, I woke up at like, and sorry, they needed someone to take the film to Technicolor or whatever to like, to take it that night. They're like, well, we were going to ask Orn, but now we can't trust him with anything. They literally, like, all the producers were Jeez. saying this. And the production <laughs> corner and the manager. And, That's so good. And then I, the next morning, I, like, went, like, 4 a.m. Like, right, I was waiting for them yeah, to yeah. open. And I was like, can you please take these clothes back? Like, please don't penalize them. It's my fault. I was supposed to come yeah, yesterday. Yeah. And they're like, oh, these are on, like, a week rental. There's no penalty. No. It's, like, no big yeah, deal yeah. at all. And then um, I went to, the, then basically they, like, didn't want me to come back. And then I got a call, like, later that day. They're like, hey. Um, can you recommend a PA for this shoot? Like they asked me to recommend someone to replace me. <laughs> to replace? Yeah. That's wow. insane. And I was like, no. People I'm... are so mean to PAs. Have I mean, I this ever... was 2005 or something. Yeah. I mean, right. people were mean to, That's... very mean to PAs at yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And true, I was true. like, though, you know, I yeah, was getting good $80 right to <laughs> be on set from like 4 a.m. to like, God knows what time to like 6 a.m. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Like 26 hours. I mean, it was just insane. Have I ever told I didn't get fired because they weren't paying me? But I have a similar... I actually really did mess up on this one. So it, it was fair that they... I don't know if I've ever told this show on this this on the podcast. Um, so I was an intern at the Director's Bureau, which is a music video company. And at the time... Uh, Mike Mills, who is still a significant idol of mine, was making his first feature. Um, oh, by the way, he's gonna he's gonna be asked to be on the show. I'll see if he doesn't. I'll I'll retell the the story then. Um, I literally like he would be in the office or whatever. I'd like watch his dog, and I I couldn't string a sentence together in front of him. Like I just like still like a, you know a, a big deal for me in terms of filmmakers and a person who had done the thing of like was transitioning out of music videos and into features anyway so he's got this movie called uh thumb sucker this is both for beginners and all of his other movies um and they were doing pickups and like i had been there for kind of a long time but this was like the first real big set that they were that they had going and so they were like matt will you come pa and i was like yes um and they were like you can pick up tilda swinton um for this pickup day wow. big responsibility I, I was so excited and like i had you know i was rehearsing banter in my head <laughs> right. it's like, like a date uh, yeah like i had like stuff to talk <laughs> about i had like deep cut like film school references because she's like 
in a movie called Blue that's a Derek Jarman movie where she's a voice, but it's like uh, the director has basically gone blind, so the movie is literally just blue, and I had just seen it on film and had all these questions. I was ready. And at the same time, my roommates had... um, We had all chipped in. This is real film nerd stuff. We'd all chipped in on our region-free DVD player and got Infernal Affairs, which is the movie that The Departed is based on. And they watched it that night, and they were so friggin' loud and so excited to like decode like what was happening and all the twists and turns and stuff that I didn't get to sleep. Mm. I didn't fall asleep until like basically I should have been picking Tilda Swinton up. So I wake up and I realize, and I run to my car and I call the second AD, and they were like, "Yeah, Tilda's outside waiting. I'll go pick her up myself." And then the rest of the day. Everyone knew that I just left outside. Yeah, like that's a pretty big mess up. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also like the people from the director's bureau didn't realize it till a little bit later. So they were like, "Hey, how's Matt doing?" And I was like, just busting my ass, I was just like trying so hard, mm-hmm. like sprinting everywhere, like doing. And they were like, I could tell there was a moment where they were real proud of me, and then not anymore. Oh shit. Yeah, that's a pretty big Yikes. ball to drop. Yeah. Pretty big Tilda to Swint. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably wrap up soon, but can you, what's what's going on now? So you're doing a lot of commercials, pitching yeah. on commercials. You know, pitching on commercials, on the grind, um, writing um, two features that I I'm have that I'm excited about. And, that's um, exciting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, directing whatever's next. And are you rep? You have TV and film reps? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have TV and film reps, but you know, um, still you, have to. You're, like, you feel constantly like disappointed by them and disappointing them at the same. Well, time. it's just like you know, it's it's. I don't know what your experience is, and we won't go too long. But the but the idea of it being like you know they're they're at big agencies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I'm I'm very low on the sure. pull for them. So understandably, it's like I'm not a priority. Are you vying for like the? Like there's a few shows that are probably like a little more music video director friendly, like I, Dave on FX Zoe's right Infinite now. Always Infinite right, Playlist. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Like, are you kind of like trying to make those happen, or is it just kind of like you just get your own stuff I going? Think, I think it's, about it. I think it's get my own sort of stuff going. Make yeah. sure that I'm creating narratives that are in line to mm-hmm. you know what I think my voice is. And isn't it so crazy how now, like the longer you're a director, the more I don't mean this is a negative thing, but it, the more unsure you are of what your voice is, you know, oh, like yeah. when you're pitching your very first music video at Keek the Sneak's house, you're like, this is what it's going to be. Yeah. It's a spelling bee. And I saw ESPN and I saw this and this makes sense. Yeah. And you're like, perfect. I'm the guy to do it. And then now you're like, uh, then all this stuff, like, I think this is what I like a drama, but more like a thriller kind of like, like a dark drama, like in mm-hmm. with digital elm in a black mirror. Like you're just like, <laughs> yeah. like mumbling yeah. around like who you think you are. Yeah. yeah. And that's when you just have to ask people like, what do you think my work is like? And sure. They'll have a good answer for that's you. That's what really? all of the coffees I take are. I'm just mm. like, tell me what I am. What are, right. they, what are, are they you saying? my mother? Like you are uh, paying for this coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You are a coffee snob. <laughs> um, um, well, cool. Uh, well, do you mind sticking around for an unpaid endorsement? Sure, yeah. Unpaid endorsements. So I guess my unpaid endorsement is for a graphic novel that I'm reading right now Ooh. that I really am enjoying. It's by Ed Brubaker. Sure, yeah. If you know him, he's a really great writer. Um, and it's called The Fade Out. 
Um, it's something that he's he's. It's a few years old. I'm definitely yeah. late to the party. Here. It's like a screenwriter sort of thing. It is. Right? It's, yeah, yeah. It's about a screenwriter in the 40s. You know, during sort of like the the blacklist era. But mm-hmm. it kind of just has that real pulpy, old fashioned uh, Hollywood murder mystery, and um, a big star gets you know killed, and he's got to kind of investigate, and and then weird stuff happens after that. But it's um it's a really really well done and Ed Brubaker is a tremendous writer and I highly recommend it. Awesome! It's been a while since we've had a, a comic as a endorsement and I am stoked on that. Hmm. Um, well, I've my unpaid endorsement. Uh, I never pass up an opportunity to recommend a Keen Peel sketch, but uh, <laughs> in honor of you being here, Mickey, have you seen the Party Don't Stop sketch? You I must have, have. I have definitely seen the Party Don't Stop. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, Basically, Key, Key and Peele are playing LMFAO, but they're stuck in a music video where the party don't stop and they keep trying to escape by like going out a, a door or a window or like crawling under a fire escape or something like that. Yeah. And they're just stuck in this purgatory of, um, you know, a party, basically. It's pretty great. It's definitely very funny and yeah. probably how they felt. <laughs> Yeah, no. too close to home. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, well, uh, I don't really have a great one, so I'm going to do three not good ones. Uh, the first one is this. Did I ever talk about this pack of transitions I use in Premiere? They're called Handy Seamless Transitions. No. That I got from Video Hive, and they do like, it's just like the best fake whip pans and things. Mm-hmm. Like I basically stopped doing whip pans on set because I can do them in post so easily and mm. at the exact right time. And not have to have like the actor and the camera operator and all these people like perfectly in sync to get these camera transitions to work. Do you, do you find though that um, like I I'll do kind of like an in between where I'll just do a couple whips and then run the scene so that like I and have use... so that my blur is the the right combination of colors and things. You know what I mean? Wow. No, I don't know if I've ever done that, but I I suspect. I wonder if that would work because like everything has to be right. Like the camera position, the framing, the, but maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But no, these, it's, it's pretty forgiving. I feel. Well, these fake, these fake ones, they just do like a horizontal blur mm-hmm. and then a D blur on the other side, horizontal D blur. And you can do diagonal. You can do anything. And there's like zoom transition. I mean, they're just like really solid. Like they look like a real whip pan. Like I said, so much so that, you just don't even bother. Anymore. I yeah, because you do a lot of whips. Actually, I I like a whip pan in a thirty second commercial. It's hard because every frame counts, and sometimes if you're like, ah, oh, like literally, she finishes saying the line, and then like we wait like six frames too much before the whip pan starts. Or like, ah, oh, can we speed that up? Can we do that? And oh, like, you just cut them. Well, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could do that also. But that you might see like a little jump. I don't know. These fake whip pans are amazing. I feel like Matt, you're trying to say you're not recommending. Yeah, I, I might maybe. But, I'm going to show you them after this. Also, I feel like fake whip pans. I feel like I can see, but I've watched everything you have made for the last five years and never once thought that. So yeah, well, it's, and I'm wrong. and a lot of times I'll have like real whip pans and then I'll add some fake ones because. Um, like the client doesn't like the last two words on this line of dialogue, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so anyhow, handy, seamless transitions, they're called on, uh, um, Adobe Premiere. And do you guys always forget how to spell seamless? It's I mean, with an a, I, I there's had an to, A in it. I had to think about it. Um, no, but there's plenty of words that I don't know how to yeah, spell. I'm like, ever. I write the word seamless, like 
probably once a day. Like every treatment I've ever written has the word that word in it like seamless. ten times. It's oh, a good word. I yeah. I don't think I use seamless in treatments. Oh, really? I'll say energy. Seamless. Well, I use flow, juxtaposition, and seamless always. Like, it'll be like, we won't notice this happening. Or this is like the, That's the gr- marriage grounded. of these two things, or mm-hmm. se- it will be seamless. Like, yeah. you, won't, you won't notice that. Anthem is another that, good one. Oh, yeah. This is interesting. That's a fun game. What do you think Anthem means? Because I actually had this oh. argument with people on a commercial treatment call the other day. Well. They're like, we don't need an Anthem spot. I'm like, what do you when you say anthem spot, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, okay. Th- yeah, there are multiple ways to kind of categorize anthem. But I guess in terms of a, using it in a treatment, I would think that, you know, anthem is going to be like this grand, like the embodiment of like mm-hmm. whatever it is that it means. Like it's, you know, all in one here. Mm-hmm. That's like a mission I, statement almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I think of like those iPhone spots where you see like people from 12 different countries using yeah. an iPhone. That's like an anthem spot. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, other people... Don't think they think of it as like the main spot for the brand, and then like you can do cut downs. I don't know. Anyhow, oh, interesting. The other thing I'm unendorsing or not endorsing is I watched all of Love Is Blind. Oh like, God! And like two uh, sessions while I was like working on something on my computer, and uh, you can have Love Is Blind. I I'll always have the Circle. I so I watched the Circle too. Oh, I, I mean, it. you watch the Circle. It's so dumb. It's so yeah, bad. It's really dumb. Love Is Blind. You think because everyone is talking about it that it's going to go somewhere interesting and it just it's it's just a bachelor on speed i guess i don't know yeah. so maybe i can plus your non-recommendation yeah it, well, if there's a way to spin how to recommend watching mm-hmm. love is blind maybe it's the way i did it where watch the first 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then just go to the last episode because <laughs> i think you'll just get the show yeah yeah and that's you'll funny. kind of you're get like, everything, and then and then the best part is you get to kind of oh, so who ended up together? And sure, to sure, and you're a part of the conversation. Yeah, you're like okay, yeah, right. in a half an hour, you're caught up on everything that right. people are talking about. Which really so good. many people reference Love Is Blind. I was like, I got to see this show. I will say there's an excellent villain in it that I've never seen before. Mm. Jessica, do you know who she is? I, I I can't recall. She is this woman who, um wants to marry a guy that doesn't want to marry her. So she just like agrees to marry some other guy. And the entire rest of the show, she's just bummed about being engaged to this guy. That's, <laughs> and it may, and it's, a, it's a disaster. It sounds like exactly the type of person that would be on. Yeah, sounds, sounds great. But she is like so not self-aware and she's like educated, has her own business, like super successful. Um, but she's just like a wreck and it's... um. It's crazy. It's hard to watch. I feel really bad for the guy she's with. I've got one more endorsement in honor of being three Bay Area, not natives, I guess, in your case, but locals for a certain point. Um, The Goodby Silverstein uh, masterclasses are a real treat. And there's a ton of, unlike other masterclasses, they're really getting to reference and watch all of the things they're talking about Mm. because it's a commercial. So you can watch 30 seconds. It's 30 seconds. And like, licensing them isn't an issue so like they did the got milk campaign that aaron burr commercial that i talk about all the time that's my favorite aaron burr classic classic Mm -hmm. michael bay directed they talk about that uh they talk about um some incredible oakland a's spots that are really good so if you were a a northern california wait which ones because i feel like so there was a there was a famous um coach who was like terror he was just famously rude and terrible to everyone and so they did these spots where he's just like a sweetheart 
Mm. Like where he's just, he's like talking to an umpire and he's like, pardon me, but I happen to disagree from where I was standing. And for, forgive me for even bringing this up, but from where I was standing, that that looks like a like a ball, you know that sort right. of stuff. That, right. And they and they talk through the process and all that stuff. And so I think it's good for non Northern Californians as well. But you realize that that era of advertising is like really influential on like what funny commercials were to us as kids. Mm. Yeah, so it's pretty great. There's like Man. a Chevy's commercial where they would go every single day and like hold up a newspaper and do a lie detector test to like a priest and be like, what, what's today? And they would say the date or whatever. And they'd be like, here we are at Chevy's making the food right now to like emphasize that like things were happening daily. There's all sorts of stuff like that that's like a real treat. So the Goodby Silverstein uh, Masterclass. On Masterclass. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Pirate Bay or whatever you steal <laughs> things on, Orin. Hey, I paid for Masterclass. My <laughs> subscription just ended. So yeah, yeah. I legally should be able, like, it's mm, well, much easier to borrow it than to <laughs> get into a time machine and go to the time that I did have my subscription. I had a real treat watching it. So, um, cool. Well, Mickey, if we want to find out more about you, MickeyFinnegan.com. Uh, yeah, MickeyFinnegan.com or any other social medias. It's all Mickey Finnegan. Hey, look at that. Nice. Cool. Well, uh, if you want to ask us questions uh, about Mickey, email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find everything we talked about on the podcast at justshootitpod.com. And uh, you can find out about me. I'm at O'Kaplan on Instagram. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow. This episode was edited by Jonathan Luna. Our webmaster is Ewan Williams, and you're listening to our outro music, which is by the artist Jazar and provided by the Free Music Archive. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Goodbye.